0: Hello, everyone. I want to share a touching email I received from one of the providers who will be working with our families in the CHOP End Natural History Study. He says, I just want to drop you an email to thank you for your wonderful podcast. It is so valuable for me to listen to your family's stories so that we stay grounded on what is really important. Up until now, I have probably only seen a dozen or so Syngapians. Sidebar, this is Ashley speaking. That's a lot for most providers. So I am trying to get up to speed. I left academia about four years ago to come to CHOP, but I wish I could assign the podcast to grad student students because we get in our own little silos as therapists and forget the big picture sometimes. We are constantly telling families to take a break from therapies when necessary and pick your battles and your priorities, etc. so that hearing your guests keep coming back to some of those themes is reassuring. Your families are truly inspiring and keep me grounded when thinking of the research side of our project. I honestly had no idea that anyone other than our caregiver community was listening to this podcast. So one, wow. And two, it just reassures me that the more we tell our stories and get them out into the world, the better the outcomes will be for our loved ones. So please, if you have any inclination at all to tell your story, to talk to me, to create a video, to post on social media, please do. More people than we know are paying attention to this community. So the more we share, the better all of these outcomes will be. So thank you to that provider who reached out to me. It made my week, honestly. And um, I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode.
1: So Sadie is the like sweetest person you will ever meet. She is so sweet. She's so kind. She has the biggest and best smile. Um, Everybody comments it all the time. Um, and honestly, so we live in a small town, uh, but she's, I like to say that she's like our little town celebrity because people will see me with her. Um, most of them that work at the school or they'll be like, oh, you're Sadie's mom. I love seeing Sadie; She has the best smile. And these are, you know, staff that's not connected to her. Um, day at all, and everyone will recognize me from Sadie and just say how sweet she is and how she has the best smile, and
0: she just really is. Hello, and welcome to SYNGAP1 Stories, hosted by me, Ashley Fry. Every couple of weeks, I spread information and awareness about a rare disease that affects my son, Nathan. It's called SYNGAP1. I chat with parents, siblings, caregivers, and others about the challenges and successes of their journey with someone impacted by SYNGAP1. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Today, my guest is Stephanie Decker. She lives in Wisconsin with her husband, Matt, and their Syngapian, Sadie, who is five, and two sisters, Tegan and Kennedy. Stephanie works as a CPA and volunteers those skills to SRF as our CFO. And, and she eloquently said in an email to me leading up to this to this conversation. Working with SRF gives me a way to use my skills to help find a treatment and cure for our kids, and has brought me so many friendships with people I would have never met had we not been on this journey together. I really couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Stephanie, and thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you for having me. Yes. So all of you who attended last year's SRF conference in Nashville may have met Stephanie at some point. She was one of our registration volunteers checking everybody in, and she also helped to organize the gathering at Nudie's, so if you... Didn't attend last year. That might sound a little bit scandalous, <laughs> but I promise it's not. <laughs> it was a meet and greet at a bar downtown in Nashville. It was not only with our SRF crew, but from other organizations and researchers who were attending uh, the AES conference. So it was uh, a collaborative effort to get a lot of smart people in the same room thinking about SynGap. It was a lot of fun, very loud. Very eye opening for people who haven't been to Nashville. It was it was a blast, um, but no nudies was all clean. It was PG. <laughs> we promise. <laughs> Stephanie, are you going to be involved with the conference again this year? Yeah, I hope
1: so. I plan on going. We've already bought our t shirts, um, booked our hotel, um, everything. We're ready to go.
0: Awesome. I am too. I am so excited about it. I know it's going to be lots of fun. Orlando in December, at the end of November is very pleasant, so it's going to be very wonderful to be in that environment with everybody, and I'm so excited to get to spend more time with you and to everybody else who attends this year. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Tell me about your daughter, Sadie.
1: Yeah, so my daughter, Sadie, is five. She'll be six in September. Um, so she, like most in Gapian, she loves, loves, loves water. Um, she loves to be outside, um, and she loves her two sisters
0: more than anything. Awesome. What does she, does she love to swim? Does she love to take baths or like play with water balloons? What does she, what do you think it is about water that she particularly gets into? Oh, it's all of it.
1: Um, she doesn't care. So should we have, we actually have two water tables. Um, mm-hmm. She does enjoy baths, but if she sees water, just zoom. That's where she's going. It can be just a faucet dripping. Actually, she mm-hmm. recently flooded our downstairs bathroom twice because she turned the faucet on high and then oh, no. was playing. <laughs>
0: oh, no oh I'm so sorry (laughs) I'm sure she had a blast oh yeah she did we had it wasn't our it wasn't our like a whole floor but um we had the boys in the shower and they clogged up the drain and it was just kind of this like fountain (laughs) coming over the shower into the bathroom and luckily I I caught it pretty quick but man that can be devastating (laughs) So she I understand she was diagnosed in November 2020. Tell us about what signs led you down that road to diagnosis.
1: Yeah, so we went to our 6-month checkup and our pediatrician did mention a little something about her not hitting her milestones. Um but I was kind of like, no, it's fine. She's only 6 months. Like She'll, she'll catch up. It's fine. Then we went to our nine month and he had to have a serious conversation with me. Like she wasn't weight bearing on her legs. Um, she couldn't sit up on her own. She wasn't eating solids. Um, and he just Mm -hmm. was like, look, something's not right. And we've already put it off and we can't put it off anymore. And he's like, I have a friend and she's a um, developmental pediatrician at the hospital um, I want you to meet with her. Um, so that's what we did. Next, we started our journey of going to see the developmental pediatrician. We started early intervention, or we call it birth to three here. Um, and then took probably took us like six months or so to get into birth to three. So by then, she was already probably like 14 months old before oh, wow. we even started. Um, and then... Our pediatrician asked if we she asked to do a blood draw and she wanted to test for fragile X and she did like a microarray. And I was like shocked when she asked to te- test for that. So I was like, this is this is not my kid, like no way. Um right. But we did it. She wasn't having any seizures at nope, that point. Nothing that nothing that we yeah. could whatever ever have thought was a seizure. Right. Um, so we did the test, and it came back with some deletion of something but but nothing of any significance that she could find. Nothing came back on the microarray, and she said why don't why don't you go to genetics and and see what they have to say? Well, at that point, I was very overwhelmed. Um, we were going to therapies constantly, we were going to doctors, we didn't know what was going on. And my husband was like, yes, I need to put a name to whatever is happening. We need to go to genetics. And I was like, no, I cannot go to another appointment, mm. another blood draw. I cannot watch her cry. I can't do this. Like, you know, and the doctor said, even if you get a name, there's nothing you're going to do differently. So I said, what's the point? If, if I'm not doing anything different, why am mm-hmm. I going to poke her with another needle? So we kind of left that. And we just continued with our therapies. We actually ended up stopping our early intervention because I don't feel like we were getting much out of it. And we started going Mm -hmm. to the outpatient clinic. So we were driving like an hour one way just to take her to therapy. And we were doing all of the therapies every single week. Mm -hmm. Um, We did a feeding specialist. So something that's kind of odd about her is She did not start swallowing actual food until she was two years old. She used to, she would put it in her mouth and she would like chew it up and she would spit everything out. She never swallowed. She only only drank milk. That was it. So then our next, it was our next appointment with the developmental pediatrician, like a year later. And, you know, she brought up genetics again and she's like, you know, it, you know, how come you didn't do that? And I said, well, I just, I don't see the point. I don't, want to you know do this if it's not going to change anything and I said well what's the process and she goes oh well you just go and you know you'll talk to a genetic counselor and, and she'll tell you how everything and they can be more specific on their testing because I was worried they were just going to test for everything under the sun um, and keep wanting us to come back to do one test at a time and she's like you'll just talk to them and then you can decide it's not like a I have to and I was like okay fine I will go to the consultation And I will listen. I can do that. Um, But it takes like nine months to get in. Mm -hmm. So we had to wait another nine months. And then we got in and the the genetic counselor was really nice. And then we saw the geneticist and he's like, look, you've already done Fragile X. You've already done a microarray and there's nothing. I think we just go ahead and go for the whole shebang and do the whole exome sequencing. Okay. And I was like okay, one blood draw. That's it. Mm -hmm. I can do that. Um, so we scheduled that and I think we did it October. And then he says, it's probably going to be like eight weeks before we hear anything back. And at the time I was trying to finish studying for the CPA exam. Mm. And I was like, I don't have the capacity to worry about these results and to try and finish this exam. Mm -hmm. And I said, so I'm going to focus on the exam. I'm going to take that exam. And when I'm done, I'll worry about the results. I'll just, I'll just do that. So then November comes, it's probably like the week before Thanksgiving. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I'm like in the car and I just get a call and she's like, Hey, I have your test results. And I'm like, Oh, It's only been four weeks. (laughs) Uh, This is not on my timeline. And she's like, oh, hey, we found something. And I was shocked because I thought for sure we weren't finding anything. And she's like, it's called SYNGAP1. And I'm trying to find like a scrap of paper to write this down because I have no idea what she's talking about. Yeah. You know, and she's just kind of telling me this when she's going through, and I'm pretty sure she's reading right off like the SRF website of (laughs) all of the the things. Yeah. (laughs) And because she doesn't know anything about it either. You know, she had to Google, find a source she could find quick and just read off from the list. And, you know, she says could be seizures down the road. She says intellectual disability. And I just remember her saying like when she's all said and done, you know, she kind of asked me. How I feel. And she's like, I know the seizures are probably like the hardest part of this whole thing. And I usually don't say a lot, but I just woke up and I was like, no. The fact that she is never going to live on her own, never take care of herself, never get married, never have a life. No, that is the hardest part for me. Yeah. And she was just like, oh, sure. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) And I was just, it was, yeah, it was hard. So I remember I just, I ended up calling my husband at work and telling him, and I don't think he had much, too much to say. I think, you know, we just kind of Googled it found the SRF website and we just looked it up and we're like, oh yeah, that's everything. She's got everything on this list except for the seizures at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she had turned three in September. We got our diagnosis in November. And then the following June, she had her first drop seizure that we
0: recognized. Dang. Dang. Yeah. It's encouraging to me that it was your pediatrician who was so adamant about, okay, you know, it's six months, it's nine months. We're seeing these delays. We should check it out. That to me is very encouraging because so many of our families in our community, it's like, oh no, it's just... They're just a little bit behind. they'll catch up. There's no big red warning flags to our most of our caregivers at that early stage when it's just that they're not sitting up on their own. they're not babbling as much as they should. So I'm, I'm very encouraged to hear that your story was a little bit reverse of, of our typical experience as caregivers. Um, and I wish it were I wish that were the norm across the board. I think that if more people were kind of like alerted at the beginning, like, okay, hey, you know, this is something to monitor. We need to keep this in our heads. We would probably have earlier diagnoses coming our way. Um, But, you know, like you said, there's nothing that we would do any differently. We have the same experience. We talked to a neurologist in Vanderbilt before we had a diagnosis and before Nathan even presented with seizures. And it was like, well, no matter what it is, I would recommend all these same therapies that you're already doing anyway. So no need to do any tests. And we're like, mm, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's 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 interesting to me to hear the differences in, I mean, not even just like from one state to the next or one region of the country or world compared to any other, but just from one provider to the next Everybody's experience can be so different. So I'm so glad that you had really forward thinking and go getting type providers on your side, even though I know it's so hard to, to grapple with, especially when you have everything else in your life going on, two kids, a husband, a career, and taking a CPA, which is not easy. Um, man, that's tough. What do you think were the therapies that helped her most during that time?
1: So I think uh, speech therapy helped her a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Just really got her at least to understand, you know, this is where I look when I want to mimic somebody or I want to try to learn something. Um, And then physical therapy was beneficial to her. She did fight it a lot after a while. Um, But she made good strides there. Um, we didn't do OT all that much. Um, and I would say that is probably her weakest areas, those,
0: those skills. Yeah. And do you think that once you received the SYNGAP diagnosis, did that help you at all with receiving any other care or adding therapies or anything?
1: No, it didn't. So I feel like we've been very fortunate um, like you said, with all of our providers, um, we, uh, we switched to that outpatient therapy before we even had our diagnosis. Um, so we were already doing all the things. Um, I'm trying to think we did get onto like our state waiver program, mm-hmm. which probably the diagnose helped. Mm-hmm. um, to, and then to get on our Medicaid and the waiver program has been nice. It's been help, nice to help find different resources or like for Sadie, obviously she loves water. I want her to go to swimming lessons, but mm-hmm. you know, the conventional swim class that, that doesn't work for us, you know? No. So to be able to, to find a, uh, a one-on-one instructor, it's yep. been nice for that.
0: Yeah. That, that would be a benefit. I know some of the the like more nationally recognized programs, like the water safety rescue type things that infants can go through, I reached out maybe about a year ago. Yeah, it was about wintertime last year. and I said, "Look, you know, my child has intellectual disabilities and he has autism and he has seizures which are under control with medication. And they were like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa whoa, nope, we can't we can't do seizures." I was like, wait a second, but this is like one of the most important things that I can do to safeguard my child around water, I can be, you know, within earshot. If something happens, I can be right there. It was such a pushback. And I was just fine. I was at that moment. I was like, you know what? I just can't take, I don't have the capacity right now. I can't do this. I'm just going to forget this for now and come back to it later. But yeah, that was, that would have been really helpful to have, um, you know, resources to tap into, like your waiver program gives you the access to. Also, do you know, are there any other Singapians we've identified in Wisconsin? So I only met the one other Syngapian that was at
1: the conference last year. I haven't spoken or met any of the other ones, like in outside of that conference.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you are listening and you have a Syngapian in Wisconsin, we want to hear from you. So, email edit at curesyngap one we want to connect, please. Uh, I've got, I have so many questions about where everybody lives around the country, but this is something that I'm getting interested in. Okay. Tell me a little bit about Sadie's weekday. What does she do during, I mean, it's, it's summer right now when we're talking, but what does Sadie's normal weekday look like during the school year?
1: Yeah. So last year she was in 4k, uh, this year she's, or this summer, she's actually doing a six week summer school, which is just an extension of her 4k to kind of keep her in the routine. And then she'll go to kindergarten in mm-hmm. the fall. So she just gets up and she goes to kindergarten and then she goes, she gets to ride the bus to her daycare provider's house. And then, uh, then it's time to go home.
0: Does she have, um, particular supports at 4k and, and in kindergarten?
1: Yeah. So she does all of her therapy at school now. So she does, you know, her PT, her OT, nice. her speech, um, And she does actually have, I guess, a one-on-one aid. It's not written into, like, our IEP. They have just supported us with that Um, because she did preschool, and they thought she did so well that they're like, we don't think she needs somebody one-on-one the whole time, maybe just a few certain times. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. they ended up giving her one in 4K anyway, which was fine because it helps her build that bond, um, of somebody that she can trust the whole day. Yeah. And it sounds like she might be with her next year too.
0: Oh, that's great. I love that consistency. Just like you said, building that trust, having that bond, she has a special person who is her own in that school setting. I think that's fantastic. Tell me, um, the best thing about raising Sadie. So Sadie is the like
1: sweetest person you will ever meet. She is so sweet. She's so kind. She has the biggest and best smile. Um, everybody comments it all the time. Um, and honestly, so we live in a small town. Uh, but she's I like say that she's like our little town celebrity because people will see me with her. Um, most of them that work at the school. Or they'll be like, oh you're Sadie's mom. I love seeing Sadie. She has the best smile. And these are you know, staff that's not connected to her, um, day at all. And everyone will recognize me from Sadie and just say how sweet she is and how she has the best smile. And she just really is.
0: That's awesome. So she doesn't have any of the SYNGAP, uh, aggressive behaviors, does she? Nope. She does. Uh She is very
1: sweet, (laughs) but like Monica had said, those SYNGAP snaps She has those and they are bad. It's a daily struggle to like, she's has a really hard time with transitions. Um, Specifically Mm -hmm. right now for probably the last nine months or so, it's been changing our clothes. So getting out of her pajamas to get dressed for school in the morning, it's, it's not good. It's a struggle. It takes two of us just to get her clothes on. And then I basically just take her straight to the car, get her strapped in, and then go back in mm-hmm. to get the rest of the things to get. And she'll she just screams and she cries and she tries to scratch you and she will hit you. She kicks. If she's near something, she'll throw it. But it's it's like she's a mm-hmm. whole different person, you know, and yeah. It's tough because I I hate that that's how she has to start her day because I know how hard she mm-hmm. works every single day just in life, but going to school, keeping it all together, going to daycare, and she works so hard, but then her day starts out, you know, in such a bad spot, and then our day starts out like that, and, like, we're, right. by the time we get to work, we're just, like, tapped out mentally. yeah. But once, you know, and eventually a lot of times there's nothing you can do anymore. We used to be able to redirect it, but now it's just like, you just have to wait it out. And when she stops, she goes back to being the sweet person she is. And, you know, I know I get some criticism because I don't, I don't discipline her in those moments, but I know that that's not who she is and i know that she can't control that yeah and so giving her her space to just cry it out that's what i do and yeah. i just feel like that's the
0: best approach for her oh, and you shouldn't be criticized for that either i mean i i um i feel like some of the most the times that i feel most judged are by parents who, who have neurotypical children. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just want to say, you want to try to do it better here? You know, (laughs) like, good luck. Tell me if it works for you, you know, but, um, I, I don't judge you at all. I don't think you should feel bad about letting those episodes ride out because oftentimes, I mean, we have to remember that these kids are going to get bigger and they can become very strong and Mm -hmm. thrashing, I mean, all of the deliberate things that they can do, you know, as, as weak as they are because of their low muscle tone and everything else, they are incredibly strong and we just need to let them, like you said, have the space to ride it out safely so that everybody is safe and do the best to switch gears when they're ready. Right. And you shouldn't feel bad for that at all. Not at all. How has having a Syngapian changed your life? Did you have to make any professional changes, you, and your, you or your husband?
1: No, we didn't, thankfully. So I specifically work um, in the income taxes. So mm-hmm. my busy season is like December to April, but then my summers are pretty um, laid back. So it gives me the opportunity to really have that work-life balance so I can take her to like all the appointments and do all the things and... So without that, I think it would be far
0: more difficult. Yeah. What do you do to make life easier for you? How do you and Matt give yourselves a break?
1: I mean, Matt has a lot of different hobbies. So he definitely tries to make time for those. I try to do some things, but that's it's still a work in progress for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have found that lately... my way to tap out of like what's going on in my house has been to connect with other families. Like this podcast has given Mm -hmm. me this kind of, I don't know, excuse maybe to, I mean, it sounds funny, but it's, it's like a decompression almost. It's very cathartic for me to talk to people. And I hope that when people listen, they have some sense of that as well, because that's really the point is for us to share our stories and to, You know, if one thing that we say helps somebody this week, that's great. Um, But I I haven't had a whole lot of self-care lately. I used to love running and that, I mean, I can't, I just can't find time in the day to do that anymore. But like checking out for an hour and preparing something for the podcast or with the conference, that's been, that's been a joy for me. It's probably not the healthiest way for me to check out. I probably need to be like completely zoning out, but it's been, it's been great what um what is the coolest thing or something that you are most proud of in Sadie within the last year or so
1: so i would say definitely over the last year when Sadie was in 4k the amount that she has grown like with her skills mm-hmm. she has she's always been an observer from a distance and she just watches mm-hmm. but now now she watches and then she looks at me like our turn we're gonna try this now I want to do that and there's there's no limit for her she doesn't see any limits she I mean she can't do it but she's like I want to do it and I'll try to do it and I'll see Mm -hmm. if you'll help me do it right I mean she she learned to sing her ABCs she can count uh, a few numbers Um, She's learned a lot of songs. She loves singing. So she learned a
0: lot of nursery rhymes. And so I'm just really proud of all of that. So lovely. I know. I, I think that it's so it brings us so much joy as parents to see them communicating and doing what makes them happy. Nathan can't sing a whole lot of songs, but some of the songs that he knows, man, <laughs> we hear him on repeat and it brings us so much joy because it, it makes him so happy, even though we get tired of them, but it, <laughs> it makes him so happy. Okay. Um, what is one piece of advice you can offer to other SynGAP families to live a happier life? with Singap, I think
1: for me one of the things that I learned is so I've always tried to take it all on and since our diagnosis it just it's not been possible and so I have learned to either ask for help or to outsource the things that I was able to outsource and just take off my plate so I can be more present for the things that I need to be present for like Sadie and yeah. all of her needs
0: yeah I love that that's great advice well Stephanie thank you so very much I know that our time is valuable and irreplaceable so please squeeze your little one tonight and thank you I can't wait to see you this this conference I can't wait to see you too bye bye If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and like us wherever you're listening. For more information about today's guest and SYNGAP1, please check out our show notes. Your suggestions are always welcome. Please email us at ed at oneorg